Welcome back. This is Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. This week, we'll talk about perfectionism, which is more than just high standards or wanting to excel. Instead, perfectionism is the setting of unattainable standards and making self-worth contingent upon meeting those standards. In other words, it's constantly running a race where the finish line can never be crossed. Now, we have talked about perfectionism on the podcast before, but thanks to social media, the issue has been turbocharged to the point that it's time for another look. Because interestingly, imperfection is hot right now. Fitness gurus are posting their belly rolls on social media. Fails videos attract way more attention than perfectly executed performances. And the otherworldly filtered version of life on Instagram has been declared over. And you can find a link to that article from The Atlantic in the online transcript for this episode. However, unrealistic goals and extreme expectations still permeate our society like a single drop of ink colors a glass of water. We're always looking to be even more productive, attractive, high-achieving, wealthy, or famous. And indeed, sometimes perfectionism can seem to work for us. A study in the Journal of Research and Personality found that self-oriented perfectionism, which, as the name implies, is focused on reaching one's own sky-high standards, can actually go along with better physical health. But other times, perfectionism holds you back like a 300-pound bouncer trying to break up a bar fight. With socially prescribed perfectionism, which is when we behave as if everything is a performance for a harshly critical audience, our health suffers. So which is it? And if perfectionism is bad, why is it so bad? After all, perfectionists are hard workers, have high standards, and often look fabulous. And what's so bad about that? Well, the problem is that perfectionism isn't necessarily about striving for perfection. Instead, it's the nagging feeling of never being good enough. Perfectionism has many causes, but the end result is a creeping, constant inadequacy and fear of failure. Now, at the end of the day, everyone is looking for security, connection, and a bone-deep feeling that we really, truly are enough as we are. And in today's culture, those things are elusive and rare. But there is hope. Therefore, this week, rather than searching for a more optimized to-do list or a more efficient workout, we'll cover five ways to chip away at the entire mindset of perfectionism. So let's start with tip number one. Realize that perfectionism backfires. Now, you can probably relate. You walk into a magazine perfect living room and you're afraid to sit down. You arrive at a perfect dinner party and you suddenly feel self-conscious and a little formal. When you see a perfectly pulled together colleague, you feel ashamed of your own scuffed shoes and past due haircut. Indeed, those who present as perfect are often seen as superhuman. It's a paradox because they're working really hard not to be rejected, but their perfect appearance or performance makes them seem intimidating or annoying. It's hard to connect with someone who doesn't seem relatable. And indeed, by covering their own humanity, everyone around them becomes acutely aware of their own. Therefore, if the goal is connection and belonging, which it pretty much always is, turning it down a few notches is actually more effective than aiming 
for perfection. Tip number two, remember to feel, not just plan. When perfectionists feel lousy, they tend to do one of two things. The first is to try to solve the problem, and the second is to avoid it altogether. By taking the first route, perfectionists tend to look for information on how to solve their problem. They'll read a book, search out an expert opinion, and generally figure out a more fully optimized plan. With the second route, perfectionists may choose to procrastinate on a task that makes them feel incompetent or bored, steer clear of a potential conflict, or otherwise avoid whatever it is that makes them feel lousy. Procrastination may be productive, like emptying the dishwasher or making a list, or it may be pure escape, like binge-watching an entire season of Mr. Robot. But whichever route they choose, perfectionists skip over the step of feeling their feelings. They forget to check in and ask themselves, how am I doing? What am I feeling? What's happening here? Therefore, a solution. When you feel the urge to procrastinate, avoid, or problem-solve, Use that as a cue to check in with yourself. How do you feel? What does that emotion feel like in your body? Is your back tight? Your teeth clenched? Does your chest feel cold or your stomach heavy? Learning to recognize and sit with emotions, especially negative, personalized emotions like shame, guilt, or feeling stupid or inadequate, is uncomfortable, but key to developing the true cures for perfectionism, resilience and flexibility. So learning to tolerate negative emotion is the first step in learning how to deal with failures, setbacks, and disappointments, which ironically would help any perfectionist fly further and higher than they would shackled to perfectionism. So tip number three for perfectionists is give help a chance. Coaches and therapists and counselors, oh my, perfectionists often have the nagging sense that something is wrong and may search out an expert in order to quiet their distress. But then a dissonance arises. Perfectionism says we must perform at the highest levels, but we're not allowed to accept help to get there. Okay, why is this? Well, perfectionism sometimes develops when early experiences teach us that support never materializes, even if we're upset or in need. And that can lead to a belief that you're a burden for having needs and emotions, or that you're not worthy of care. So a perfectionist stuck with the dissonance of needing help, but not expecting to be helped, often decides that the therapist doesn't know what they're doing, that coaching is pointless, or that they know more than the expert. But if a perfectionist can see that they're intellectualizing, getting cynical, or performing for the therapist, and can allow themselves to truly accept the help, that same inner drive that makes perfectionists achieve often allows them to supercharge the lessons of therapy. Tip number four is create excellence for the sake of excellence. Pursuing greatness for the sake of being great at something is the ultimate in satisfaction. We build mastery, derive pleasure, and feel competent and confident when we contribute something well done to the world. Therefore, if you want to make a showstopper British Bake Off worthy unicorn cake, because you get pleasure and satisfaction out of it, go ahead and pipe that purple icing mane to your heart's content. But if you have a nagging sense that you wouldn't be trying to make hooves out of frosting if you weren't overcompensating, performing, or comparing yourself to others, ask yourself what actions are actually in line with your values and priorities. 
And finally, tip number five is prioritize. Perfectionists do everything well, with the emphasis on everything. And while being on top of everything may look good on paper, in reality, it means your attention, focus, and energy get stretched like not enough butter over too much bread. Putting the same amount of drive into your deep work and your email doesn't pay off. Instead, it leads to burnout and ultimately holds you back. So to find the answer, ask your values. What is truly important to you? Where should most of your energy, focus, and time be allocated? Then start there. Everything else will fall into place. So to wrap up, start to notice your feelings, even the yucky ones, accept help, prioritize, and pour your energy into the things you love and that are important to you, not just anything that enters your field of vision. And if all else fails, remember that to err is human, while to be perfect is, frankly, to be kind of annoying. All right, I haven't left you guys with a terrible psychology joke in a while, so here you go. Did you hear about the guy whose left brain was removed? Don't worry. Now, he's all right. You're welcome. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week for a happier, healthier mind.